Cannabis Grow Show, live from Nova Scotia, Canada. Your number one stop for all things cannabis. My name is Ray. And I am Pache. Wow, I grew two pounds. 1,100 grams. This is Plant Therapy Live. Welcome, Cannabis Army. Welcome to the show that turns an average grow into a savage grow. Pache, how are you this week? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Doing great. Um, we have listeners <laughs> popping up in about 80% of the U.S., Pache, as we just uh, reviewed. So we are wow. growing. We, we've also added uh, Poland to the map. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, as well. So just wanted to give a shout out to them. Um, I found a tank of distillate today. Oh, really? That I, yeah, that I hadn't vaped yet for my 510. So I've been puffing on that all day, Pache. I'll, I love this thing. It's uh, so discreet and you can basically pull it out anywhere and get, you know, high as fucking mid conversation and, you know, bang, all of a sudden I'm like Dr. Ripper <laughs> and nice. uh, everybody wants in right as soon as you pull it out. So it's a lot of fun at a party, but uh, not for the faint of heart. Uh, what are you using to get high these days? I'm still using the uh, the old school vape, the, the solo air riser. Uh, I think the first one. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a creature of habit. You know, when something works, I like to stick with it. So, but I also have, um, a water bong that I've been sort of hitting recently because I made some, um, some solventless ice water hash. So we'll be talking about that in an upcoming episode. And, but it is so beautiful and so blonde. Oh my, my goodness. It's, oh, it's, and it's so tasty too. Can't wait. Um, I also use the Deluxe Daddy Vaporizer. I find I do, yeah, I find I do get a nice high from that as long as I, you know, don't use it too frequently. Give it a little bit of time in between. But Pache, it was you who showed me the Deluxe Daddy for the very first time. Yeah, is that my Deluxe Daddy or your own? No, no, it's my own. I ended up, uh, well, I used it at your house in Sydney for the very first time. Um, but then I received it as a gift, uh, shortly thereafter. And I've been using that basically a couple of times a week ever since I've actually even replaced a few parts on it. Um, Hmm. but it's still going strong. You know what? You're just giving me an idea. I haven't, I haven't used my deluxe daddy in years and years and years. And it's in a box somewhere. Mm -hmm. I feel inspired. Well, you know, take that as inspiration and find it. Uh, I still enjoy using mine. Um, Maybe I'll even get it set up after the show uh, today. But that 510's got uh, a great little punch to it anyway. Um, Anything else going on this week? Uh, Let's see. Well, I can talk a little bit about my my grow. So let's get into it. Yeah, so the, what we did is we had a transplant day in the past week. And so what I did was, I'll start sort of at the beginning of the week, I had noticed that I, I like to sort of prep the pots um, for transplant sort of the day before. Um, so I, I, you know, I get my five gallon, gallon pots out, I have my soil mixed, and I, I sort of mix my happy frog with some pro mix, which I find uh, has some more peat moss and perlite. Um, and then I also throw in some vermiculite as well. Um, and then I mix it all together. Um, and I do like a pro mix of probably 15%. The rest is happy frog. Um, so that, you know, there's a lot of nutrients in that. 
And so I mix it all up. And I, the next day I found the pots were pretty light. So I turned the light intensity down a little bit, um, you know, because I know one of the variables in the in the plants, you know, growth cycle is, you know, they need to have the um, the water to feed, right, to, to bring up those nutrients. And so I turned my light uh, lights down a little bit because I wasn't going to be watering until the next day. That was sort of the schedule. Um, so again, I my runoff is really low the ph is really low so i do keep uh, when i do my feeding i do keep it at a high ph of usually around 6.9 um and then my runoff has been slowly creeping up and it's now up to 5.3 5.4 in, in that range and um, um inter- interesting question i just want to ask it mm-hmm. at this point because this is a struggle right each grow so far that you kind of had. Yeah. Um, it's been a struggle. W- why not start with something that's like just a VPW 30? That's just like a, you know, a basic substrate that, you know, that you can just add everything to. Because, I mean, you're using Diablo nutrients anyway. You're just right. A th- just a thought. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And in the beginning, so I do use, um, what do you call it, V30? VPW 30 yeah. is one of the one of the brands. There's many. Okay, so I, I believe that's the bale that I got initially. Um, and it's very lofty. And, you know, it's mostly peat moss. Um, I think 50%, 40-50% peat moss. And, um, and so I do mix that in. And when it's a seedling, I do about a 50-50 split uh, between that and the happy frog. But <clears throat> now that they're well into veg... Uh, now that they're well into veg, I am, I'm doing about 15% of the sort of lofty peat moss and more the happy frog soil. Um, yeah. And like I said, I don't really know any better, but it has been uh, a battle. Um, and, but you know, I, it's been a battle that it's been easier for me to fight. So now that I know it's a battle, for example, I've been adding the lime earlier on in the in the life cycle of the of the grow in the plant so i now add the lime almost right away and i I, i'm seeing a healthier plant earlier on so the the stresses the plant goes through in the beginning i i saw that but i only saw that that those stresses on um one or two nodes of plant uh, of the leaves and then i started to get the the ph dialed in a bit and so now my plants seem to be doing a lot healthier. They have a nice, uh, a nice green um, hue about them. And so I, I feel like I'm, I'm doing the right things. I'm, I'm making the right steps. Um, yeah. So I, I think getting it early on is really making a big difference because I, I won't have to do it for very much longer. Um, now that I'm sort of getting the pH dialed in, um, you know, I, I think I'll, I, I don't usually have to add lime while it's in, in flower. So it's usually just, um, once I get it going and dialed in for the veg cycle, um, then I'm, you know, then I'm good for my flower flip. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, yeah, then I, it was a transplant day. So, um, now what I like to do, like I said, is I like to sort of prep the pots and I get, probably the pot half filled, the five gallon pots half filled with soil, vermiculite and, and this sort of pro mix. Um, and I also about a third of the way up, I will do a layer of um, mycorrhiza powder uh, for the roots. 
And, um, and then I'll also sprinkle in a little bit of uh, lime as well. And then I get the pot, the five gallon pot about halfway filled. And then I usually leave it uh, in the tent for uh, overnight. And the idea there is I want the soil to sort of get to be the same temperature as the soil that the roots are currently in. Um, that's something that's new that I've been doing. Um, because I noticed that when I, I pull the soil out of the bag, it's, it's pretty cold. You know, like, like when you're getting in there and you're mixing up, you know, you're breaking up the clumps of, uh, of dirt with your hands. Um, you know, the soil's pretty, pretty cool in comparison. And so I, I leave it overnight to sort of warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that you're minimizing a potential variable. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to reduce. No I've never really had too much shock um, with my plants. Um, it, maybe this has to do with why. Uh, I'm not really sure. But so what I did was I uh, got my one gallon pots um, and I cut them, you know, straight down. They're just they're one dollar pots. So, uh, you know, I'm trashing them. So I cut them straight down in uh, and I make sort of three slits um, from top to bottom. Um, and then it's easy to sort of pull the fabric pots sides down in a way. And, um, yeah, so I tip them upside down, put them in and I started with the biggest one first and sort of got it positioned and I had all this soil extra, you know, to do the backfilling. And, uh, yeah, I got all my, go ahead. Are you still using the same pots that uh, were out, were outlined in the episode Pache's Pop Pots? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yep. But just a, a plug for that episode, if anybody <laughs> wonders what type of pot, uh, pots that he's using, go back and listen to that one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think everybody knows by now that I'm a, I'm a fabric pot kind of guy, and uh, I love it, and they're easy to work with, super easy to work with, um, and they're really super cheap. And um, yeah, so I've... I got them in. I did a, a light watering, you know, on, on transplant day just to, you know, to make sure um, the roots had somewhere to, to go in searching for water. Um, and then the next day was, was going to be a sort of a, a better watering with nutrients, nutrients. And, and of course, every day now um, we're mainlining and it's low stress training every single day. We're tying down those stems. We're tying them apart. We're now teaching the plant how to grow sideways or horizontally instead of growing up. And this is how I get to improve the quality of my buds. And this is how to increase the yield of my buds too. And that's it. That's, that's where I'm sort of caught up. Um, and I've been sort of tracking. I knew this was in my transplant zone and I've just been sort of waiting to time when I water and, and how moist, cause I like to do my transplant, um, two days after I water, it sort of gives, um, I find the soil is a nice consistency where it's not so dry and it falls apart when I'm transplanting. And it's, I don't really know what it would be like if I tried to transplant the day after I water. Um, I have a feeling it'd be a lot messier and, and sloppier, but I'm not really sure. You probably have more experience with that than I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always tried not to start with stuff that's too dry because just too dry is uh, difficult to work with. But, um, you know, it, it's got to have a little bit of moisture in it for me. I always give a good watering after they get transplanted, though, um, because that good watering afterwards, I just find it just allows everything to settle in. So it's 
you know, what you've just transplanted is completely encapsulated, but I'm sure yours is just fine as well, you know? Yeah, because what I did was I, I transplanted it in the evening, and so I just did a light watering to sort of hold it off until tomorrow or until the next day, until I was doing, like, full nutrients and uh, and everything, and then I gave it a, a great watering. Um, and it's now been one, two, two days since I've transplanted and they seem to be doing well. Um, I also turn the light intensity down, uh, on transplant day and I usually will turn it up about 10% every day afterwards. Um, I just saw a video once where they said, you know, when you do a transplant, um, don't have the, the engine on high and revving high, which is your light intensity. Um, you know, let the roots sort of get in and, and settle in and do their thing before you start, uh, bringing the, the car out onto the racetrack sort of thing with bringing that light intensity up. So I usually just ramp my light intensity up. Um, so now it's been two days. So I've probably gone from 40%. I'm probably up to about 60% now. And then tomorrow or, or the next day, I'll go up to 70 and 80%. Um, and I'll probably hover around 80% for, for a little while, depending on how high my, my lights are from the, uh, from the plants, because I want to do a little bit of stretching, um, just for that mainlining technique that I do. Nice. So let's hear anything else uh, going. Uh, no, I think that's up. That's, uh, that's it with me. Um, other than that, I was just always make sure, um, because there was a mess after I transplanted, of course. Um, just a reminder out there, clean your, um, your workspace because I've been having a, a wonderfully lucky time with no pests. My last grow, uh, I had a lot of issues with pests. This grow, I'm having no pest issues whatsoever. I haven't seen one, one pest since I started. Awesome. Yeah. And, awesome. And, and I ended up transplanting, by the way, if anybody's keeping track on day 46 of the veg cycle. They're now into their five gallon pots and that's where they're going to stay forever. Awesome. And it's funny you talked this week, uh, you know, with regards to your light intensity, because I'm kind of doing a little bit of the same myself. Uh, I have my four plants in the uh, HPS uh, tent now, and I have the HPS uh, light about four feet above uh, at 100% intensity. But that's what I'm kind of doing right now is getting them acclimated to that environment before I flip them. Uh, so over the next week, I'll drop uh, that light down a little bit closer. Um, but I did figure out the pH uh, issue that we talked about last week, Pache, nice. by uh, kind of going to the higher end. Major difference uh, almost immediately with the plants. So we will be initiating uh, flowering this week now that we've got that all figured out and logged. Improve everything overall moving forward with the new knowledge, right? And save ourselves the uh, the time of having to backtrack. So that's always the goal. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So I got them on a 50-50 mix of uh, veg and flowering newts. You know, that's kind of the lazy way, Pache. You know, I know there's transition to flowering phases with a lot of these nutrient lineups. Um, you not know, but lazy, in my not case, lazy, man. It's efficient, efficient, you know, right? And and hey, in my case, I have two reservoirs, right? I have a reservoir with with uh, you know uh, vegetative growth nutrients, and I have one with flowering. So you know, I literally just go half and half, and that gives me the little bit of uh, flowering that I need to get them ready, and the little bit of vegetative uh, left behind as well with that extra nitrogen. 
Um, so it'll be off to the races here very soon. And uh, I do have something that I'm going to try, but we're going to hold off on talking about that one until next week, Pache. Okay. Because um, hmm. I think it spurred a, a whole other topic, a conversation um, that's yet to be had. So more to come on that. However, it's time. For question of the week. First, we medicate, then we educate. Now, hang on here, mister, before you say anything about a question of the week. Uh-huh. I'm still waiting on my bong audio file that you haven't sent me because I need a. That's what this is the moment when we're going to play that file. And then we're all going to have a puff, right? Because first we medicate, then we educate. We're supposed to medicate first and then educate second. We're not doing it the right way, mister. Well, I'll tell you what. As soon as we're finished, I will uh, I will hit the bong just for mm. you. And I will hit mm. record. <laughs> uh, you might want to stay there, on. You might want to stay on. I'm hitting uh, one for you. Mm. <laughs> There's two right there. One for me and one for you. You get a free pass this week, but let's be ready next week. What's the question of the week? The question of the week is how high do you get? So that's mm. sort of in relation you know, if you take a bong hit, you know, how high do you get? If uh, if you smoke a joint, how high do you get? You know, is it as high as the person next to you? Do you get, um, I used to say something, uh, I'm junior high high, you know, and, and that was sort of when we first started smoking was in junior high and you'd get really giddy and you'd like, whoa, woo. And, uh, so we would sort of say, you know, how high are you? Are you junior high high? You know, no, I'm not junior high high, but uh, I'm pretty high. So how high do you get, Ray? <laughs> that's, you know, hey, that that's a great question. I feel like this is kind of like, you know, how long does it take to drive to uh, New York? You know, it's a great question because there's too many, vari- <laughs> too many variables in there to give an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does spur a topic of conversation. Uh, you know, it is a great question. Um, did I ever tell you about the time that I ate 10 mils of uh, Rick Simpson oil, Pache? Mm, I don't think so. Okay, so this was just, you know, I had made a big pile of it and just wanted to... Perfect example of, you know, don't stick that fork in the lights. And you wanted, this, and you wanted to get don't high stick that f- and didn't want to waste. Don't, <laughs> don't stick that fork in the light socket. Don't, you know, one of these situations, right? So anyway, I ate 10 mils of Rick Simpson oil and I could not move. I was sitting on the sofa uh, and I could only blink my eyelids. Uh, and I was and I was holding the remote in my hand and the TV was stuck on that uh, TV show Heartland, Pache. It's terrible. Oh, <laughs> okay. And I couldn't, I couldn't change the channel. Um, overall, it was a pretty poor experience. <laughs> I, wo- I woke up on the sofa sitting exactly where I was still holding the remote. Like I literally had not moved. Right. Um, yeah. There's lots of things from to talk about milligrams. in this. Sub- yeah. From 10 uh, milliliters. Mill- okay. Yeah. Milliliters. So there was probably thousands and thousands of milligrams in there. I'm talking milliliters. Like, I don't know. I, is a milliliter the same as a milligram? No. Uh, no. Yeah, no. no. Now that I'm saying it out loud, yeah, no. Gram and yeah, liter, yeah. That, Milli, yeah. It, another topic of conversation <laughs> on another on another episode. We can break that down. But for those who do know, 10 milliliters of Rick Simpson oil is enough to stop a horse dead in its tracks. 
Um, but yeah. Now you're being uh, hyperbolic there. Like it's not, it wouldn't actually kill the horse. No, absolutely not. It would be absolutely impossible. Um, but there are lots of things to kind of, you know, consider in this, uh, subject, right? There's, and things are still changing with the way that we understand the science. Um, you know, for me personally, Pache, I don't think it's really about how high I get. You know, um, at least at this stage in my life, this has definitely changed for me over the years. Mm -hmm. But uh, I used to love getting mangled. Don't get me wrong. You know, do a bunch of hot knives, right? And then a joint and whatever the case may be. And just laugh and giggle and think about outer space and all kinds of crazy things. Are um, aliens real? Are they out there? Right. (laughs) Whoa, blow your mind, right? Um, But yeah, you know, as long as I get a bit of a buzz, I'm really quite satisfied, even more so if I am getting buzzed off my own Mm -hmm. weed. Right. Uh, And if it looks good and smells good, then that's probably, um, you know, a lot of a lot of it for me. But the first buzz of the day is probably my first, you know, my best. Sure. Absolutely. My best buzz. And. You know, I don't I don't smoke in the daytimes. I I wait until the evening. So usually that first one, I get a nice, um, nice buzz. And I think that's true for a lot of people. Yourself, Pache. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, the first one of the day, whether it's in the morning, evening, doesn't matter. But, you know, that's when you get the sort of the the whack to your face. You're like, whoa, okay, yeah, there we go. (laughs) All my stresses of the day are just flowing away and just like. Ah, okay. You know, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm, it's like, you're just no longer carrying the, the stresses that you shouldn't need to carry anyway. You know, this guy cut me off, uh, you know, this morning, you know, and I'm still thinking about it now, you know, you have a toke all gone. You don't think about any of that stuff. You start thinking of with me anyway, I started thinking of what were the chords to that song? Um, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe I'm going to go and it. work on the jigsaw puzzle that's on the dining room table for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, uh, and then that's sort of the plant therapy, how I use it anyway. Yeah. I don't seem to get super high either from like the 28% and the 30% and the 32% stuff that I've gotten at the NSLC. You know, maybe I that's just the stuff that you're getting at the NSLC. Well, I mean, you know, it should, it should, you know, yeah, science would, you. it seems like the science would indicate that that should get me super high, right? Which mm-hmm. is not the case, right? And, uh, well, and I don't know. I think, I think a lot of the way I feel about the process is the same way we feel about the food process that we eat it with our eyes first, right? Mm hmm. Sure. You know, if I grew, if I grew the weed and it's got nice bag appeal and if I've preserved the terps and the flavonoids and it's at the right humidity, um, you know, I just <laughs> I'm happy before I even really get into the joint and smoke it and having enough to just mm-hmm. have some whenever I want. And I think that's another point. Having having some and just being able to have it whenever you want because you've grown your own nice supply. It does. And not having to make a call sing- and go and meet a guy yeah, d- on their timetable and. Yeah. Does it become significant, right? If you want to get really high, just add a little bit more, I guess, to the first joint of the day. Do you know what I mean? And then you'll sure. get really high. Supplement it that way, especially, like you said, Bachi, if you don't have to get it from somebody, right? And you've got it on your own. Absolutely. And um, I, I remember a guy when I was uh, year like 30 years ago when I was working out in, in the oil patch. 
Um, I remember a guy saying um, he would rather get a little high often throughout the day um, because keep in mind our, our, our work was outdoors and we walked basically um, all day long. And so he said, I would rather get a little high often throughout the day um, than get super bait and, you know, you know, have a bit of a crash and then, you know, maybe later on in the day or at the night gets super baked again, you know, which, you know, has its place. But this guy is talking about daily use and he just likes a little bit every now and again throughout the day. Um, and then some days with me anyway, I, you know, I might forget to smoke altogether. You know, just if you have a busy day or if you have things going on or a project or, um, you know, just, it's, it's not really that high a priority, right? Um, but you, sometimes you deal with a few idiots and you're like, oh, I can't wait to go home and, and blaze. You know, and that's the other thing, right? I think like being comfortable with your high is another factor that needs to kind of come into this, right? Because like, you know, if you're just comfortable being high, Right. You're you're just in a comfortable state. And a lot of the time that just makes you kind of just more relaxed, more even keel. Right. There's no there's no up and down to your day. It's just like you just feel like you can deal with anything, you know. Well, and that sort of touches on something I've been watching online, uh, an article that I sort of ran across. Um, scientists have worked out how long cannabis actually gets you stoned. And now. One well, hang on one sec, one sec before we even get into that, because th- I want to say one thing on this. We are still discovering cannabinoids. OK, so how we perceive how we get high is still an evolving science. Mm-hmm, fair um, enough. That's a very valid point. And I, I think right? I think that's a point that. Because uh, the the authors of the study, th- this was a study that was done for authorities and law enforcement, you know, be, you know, much like drinking and driving, right. They want to be able to tell if somebody's, you know, super high and doesn't have the ability to drive uh, because of drugs or alcohol. So I, I certainly get why the study, these studies happen. And I think more of these studies need to happen because we need to understand it more, um, more now than, than ever, because, you know, a little bit of knowledge can get us into trouble sometimes. So we, we really do need to rely on the experts, right? Right. And I'm still researching a new cannabinoid that was just discovered recently, Pache, that may be 30 times more stronger than THC. Uh, can you believe that? So where does that test that they currently have fall into play with that cannabinoid that's not even captured? Right. So as you say, right. Yes, it's great to have the science, but let's keep doing it as well as we move forward. And, and is there a test like if if I smoke a joint and somebody that has never smoked pot before smokes, a, the, you know, a joint, let's say same weed, same size paper, um, they're going to be wrecked and I'm going to be looking for another joint. And that's so true, right? Because, and that has to be taken into consideration as well. I, I think, um, you know, for the new smoker to cannabis, to the new user, right? It's normal even not to get high the first few times, actually. Um, there's some experts out there mm-hmm. that say getting high on cannabis, part of it is a learned response, if that makes sense, Bache. 
Yeah, um, I can I can see that because my first time on on uh, smoking hash was it you know before I couldn't I couldn't get weed and um, I bought a nickel of hash from a, a classmate and um, you know we we didn't know how to behave and we were just at my buddy's friend's house and uh, we did some hot knives and we just acted silly because we thought that's what you did you just acted silly now i don't think i've ever really acted that silly again because you know you realize okay i'm completely in control um things are a lot more entertaining you know you you say something silly all of a sudden you're off on the giggles that happens all the time Um, well you have to learn you have to learn how to inhale and you have to learn how to hold the smoke properly right mm-hmm. before you can really enjoy it. You have to like know what to expect so you can prepare yourself to actually hold it and you're not caught off guard, right? Like there's there's lots of factors to it. Pache, do you remember the time um, that no. uh, the video was <laughs> the video was uh, going, going around the in- internet of that cop who called 911 after he ate all the brownies? Oh, yes. Yes, I do remember that. He made it. He made a yeah, he made a bunch of hash brownies that he stole from someone in a bus. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, I remember that. You know, well, yeah, this guy was not socialized to cannabis whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, and I and bet I, you he wishes he. I bet you he wishes he was at that point, though. His learned response was a bit different than the average bear. Oh yeah, you know, because you, you don't know I, the first time you're high, I guess you don't know where it's going to go, right? Um, you 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 think, oh my god, you know, what am I going to do in? 10 more minutes. If this is how I, different I am 10 minutes from where I was just a little while ago before I didn't smoke, you know? Um, so he was really entertaining though. He, uh, he was super nervous and I often wonder, you know, I, I wish there was like a service that we could provide and say, look, if, if you're too high, call this hotline. <laughs> we'll, oh, we'll walk that's you down. Hilarious. <laughs> That is hilarious, right? <laughs> you know the the cannabis overdose hotline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. First of all, do you have any Doritos or potato chips around? No, oh, that's. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's a whole. That's a whole other thought. One hundred percent. So just, but the, just to go back to the article, though, um, because they were saying like. And I'm just going to read a little bit here. Cannabis users should wait at least five hours after smoking a joint before attempting to drive a car, according to this new study into the duration of impairment, you know, caused by the drug. Um, and by the, uh, does that, does, does that apply to the avid smoker, joker, midnight toker? Well, that's it, right? You know, if, it, and if it's average, cause I, I think, you and I are probably a little bit beyond average when it comes to our smoking. Um, I wouldn't say we're average. We're probably more on the heavy side. Um, and now I don't smoke and drive anymore, but that's not, that's just to appease my spouse, you know, who doesn't smoke at all. Which yeah, tolerance is tolerance is a real thing, <laughs> right? Exactly. What's, what gets you buzzed today loses its punch tomorrow, you know, and th- this is why people collect different strains of weed, right? There's a reason for that, you know. That's a good point. 
you know, and we kind of talked about this in another episode. I think it was the decarboxylation uh, episode, um, Pache, from season one, you know, where your body is kind of wired to receive cannabis, right? Mm. We we receive it through our CB1 and our CB2 receptors. And if this is interesting to you, go back to season one and listen to decarboxylation. Um, that was good. And Pache, we talked about this a little bit earlier today. We're going to bring this up as a as a more of a, a deep dive, right? Um, but your CB1 and your CB2 receptors, right? This is what makes tolerance so real. They downregulate the more you use cannabis. So it makes perfect sense that people develop a tolerance and that and that this article does not apply to everybody, especially the people that use cannabis on a daily basis or people that use cannabis for medical purposes. Right. Mm. They do. They do uh, return to a completely normal state. Um, it takes about four weeks, though, Pache, of not using cannabis. Um, so I just so definitely never going to happen. Inter- it, yeah, <laughs> just some things that definitely worth talking about here, right? I mean, uh, you know, uh, but you know, this is with heavy use. Remember that, right? Um, cannabis users that consume their cannabis um, will frequently reach this point if you're consuming it, right? Like if you're eating it. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll you'll reach this point quite a bit right uh especially those that consume rick simpson oil rso Pache. yeah I, I'm, uh, I'm gonna i should try to make some to be one of these days to be honest well we're, we have an upcoming episode on rick simpson oil i think that was planned for this season uh in, in our notes there Pache. so maybe, maybe i'll do that with the, this bruce banner grow yeah, it'll be a great opportunity to visit that subject. But people that consume RSO, they'll 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 hit this state, you know, where they have a high tolerance as well, right? Um, but for guys like you and I, Pache, we we smoke, right, or vape, mm-hmm. as we've kind of talked about, right? And it's a bit different for us because we're consuming cannabis in a way that's the least efficient. And that's something that it's something that we rarely talk about that should be talked about. Um, and for us, yes, it hits us faster because we are um, we're consuming it, you know, through our lung, basically. Um, but a lot of the cannabis is actually wasted during the burning process. Right. Mm, true. Um you know, vaping is not as bad for sure. Absolutely. Right. You capture most uh, of the vapor, but you're limited or or really bottleneck by the amount of like clean surface area you have in your lungs that's ah, available to receive the cannabis. Right. So <laughs> it it can make its transition into the bloodstream from there. Right. So and that's where that's where guys that have, you know, stuff in their lungs and stuff. I'm sure they suffer in that regard. So although you're breathing in quite a bit of smoke, is it all being absorbed? Right. And that's why back some people will hold their their breath when they they inhale too to try Remember to back in the 70s they used to like do the graveyard or something what do they used to call apache you'd blow it to the next person in the 70s yeah you were there <laughs> i was born in the 70s but i wasn't smoking weed in the 70s yeah right <laughs> you were there on the beaches in the 70s but you, you were, were really talking about shotgunning so anyway <laughs> yeah sh- sh- no not so much a shotgun but this was like called a graveyard it's like there's no joint involved. It's like you take a big hit from the joint and then you hold it. And then you as you're uh, blowing yeah, out, okay. somebody gets in close to you and, and, and almost as if you were going to kiss them. Sure. But just ve- right. You know what I'm talking about? That's called a graveyard. I think it's the old term that they used to use for that. So fact check me on that. Go ahead. Nah, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Awesome. But, but yeah, so we'll leave that we'll leave that one open though, Pache. We'd have to because like I said, the way we understand the science between uh, uh, the, the the science about how we get high, right? And what mm-hmm. we're actually testing for that's actually getting us high. Like there's definitely more psychoactive cannabinoids out there. There's there's some that they're not testing for and there's some that haven't been discovered yet. And, the, and how do they play into the mix? And I find I will get high when I smoke, but if I consume edibles, I do not and have not ever gotten high from edibles. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine sort of said, you know, he sent me a care package and said, you know, I, I made I made this for you. Uh, try it. And I ate the entire care package in one night, um, you know, pretty much in one sitting. And um, it, it was just under 500 um, milligrams and yeah, nothing. And, I, you know, I, start, I thought I felt a little tingle in my face, uh, but I don't know if that was more sort of psychosomatic or uh, if I was actually feeling something. But uh, I, yeah, I don't know if my tolerance is too high or I don't, uh, maybe it's not reacting. Maybe I've got some processing issue with my liver. Uh, who knows? When was the last time you you dried out for a little while? Dried out. Uh, we'll so see. this is twenty twenty two. Like your CB one and CB two receptors are probably seized. They probably just need a little little bit of oil and a little kickstart. Well, I you know like what? like like a lot of old things your age. It's sort of like uh, recycling, power cycling your phone. You know, it's good to do every now and again. Um, and I used to do this quite often when I was younger, actually, I used to, um, dry out for a few months and, you know, there was always things going on. So it was never much of an issue. Um, and I guess I just sort of got into a routine where, you know, I, I sort of always had money and I was always able to get some and it was always good. And I always had a great relationship with, you know, my dealer at the time, um, and it was always pl- sort of a pleasurable visit. So you sort of enjoyed going to, to see the person. Um, and yeah, so uh, actually I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The most important takeaway here is that you were around back on the beaches in the seventies. <laughs> right. Right. Smoking weed <laughs> and Blowing supers. No, although I was 13 when I started, so I was in the mid to late 80s. That's when I started. Mm-hmm. You remember when Too you started? Funny. Yeah, I do. I, I was 15 years old. It was, and it was hash. Hash for, and it, for me, too. Yeah, it was hash. It, that's uh, a lot of what we could get in this area that was at, that, yeah, at, at that time. And, and, uh, and the weed wasn't that good either at the, at the time. Like... Well, I remember coughing so bad, right? And it was just because I didn't have the technique down. Yeah. Right? And I didn't necessarily, like, I didn't necessarily, yeah, I didn't necessarily get super high that day. Like, I had a weird drug history. Like, I, I actually took LSD for the very first time before I had even smoked cannabis or, or hash. I see. So maybe that. LSD is the gateway drug to marijuana. Well, that's not true. <laughs> so that's that is not true. So in my case, uh, the very first thing I took was uh, was double barrel purple microdot. Oh, I remember that double mm-hmm. barrel purple mic. 
Yeah. So, and, you know, uh, I took it uh, in the morning on a Sunday. Let me just tell you, it was an interesting day. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I've mm-hmm. had some interesting uh, LSD days myself. Mm-hmm. Definite uh, topic of conversation. Yeah, we should, we should do an episode on yeah. that uh, one of these days. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I had some great times. I had some great times over the years. Met some great people. Right. There's one thing common, you know, cannabis is one thing. Yeah. There's one thing about other kind of, uh, you know, psychedelics and, and, and things like that. They definitely, um, you know, the people that can take them and enjoy them and have them a few times recreationally, mm-hmm. those, those, those types of people are generally like very good people, you know, very humble. Um, they just, they don't, they leave their ego at the door when they're interacting with you. Just, you know, open and clean, good, good, good people. I've had some great experiences, but yeah, definite topic of conversation you know for what? That's uh, been my experience as well. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I agree. The, the, and maybe that's because you don't do those types of drugs or have those types of experiences with people that you don't trust or that you don't necessarily get along with because you want to be positive and, and, and happy and, and good. And, uh, you want to do that and have that experience with the people that you enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're with a group of people and somebody has some LSD and flips out, you're like, okay, he's not on our, our team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, the deci- and the decision is usually easy to make at, uh, at that time. But yeah, that, uh, t- for them to think at this point, Pache, that they got the science backed up to prove if somebody is, uh, is stoned or not, or buzzed. No, you can tell how much of a substance I have in my blood, but you can't right. tell that necessarily not the same as alcohol anyway. Um, That's right. It's completely different, right? You can't tell if how what my level of of you know buzz or stone is. That's right. Any type of a test because you know we're we're people that consume it every day. We're different from the average bear, mm-hmm. right? We're not somebody that just had cannabis for the first time in four weeks, you know, and, and had a big blunt. It's a little bit different. And it, it's sort of, uh, you know, and I'll share this and, with know, our if, listeners. If you're the, well, hang on. And if you're the type of person that has a blunt, you know, every four weeks, please don't drive. Like when you're having your bunt, blunt, please make sure you're home in a comfortable spot and with some friends, like in no way or shape or form. Uh, I just want to make that clear. And that's never been talked about this, this entire uh, podcast, but yeah, like, I don't condone any, anybody getting really high and driving like that. We don't want anybody on the roadways um, causing you know, problems. Th- yeah, definitely right. not stuff like that can set us back many years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, because I don't, um, when I was younger and, and I would smoke and drive, you know, I, I admit to that. Um, but because I would do it all the time, I felt that, you know, I was always super, I, I always felt that I was trying to be more cautious. I never wanted to go over the speed limit if I was smoking and driving. Um, you know, I always wanted to go one or two kilometers under the speed limit. Um, and I always wanted to super obey the rules of the road. That's, that's just the way I, I was. Um, but now my spouse doesn't like it doesn't make her feel good, so I don't do it. Um, but yeah, now, if I were to smoke I was... and drive, I I would not I would not feel comfortable. Like I would, 
I, I'm right. sure I would be okay. You're conscious. Yeah, you're, but, you're but I would conscious. be like, conscious. okay, I, I sort of have to remind myself, you know, I've got a buzz. I have to be more aware. Because um, if you don't force yourself to be more aware, you could be careless. Yeah. Back in uh, back in high school, you know, we had a saying it was better to have um, five guys stoned than one guy sober. Right. Because it was just there was a few times when we had to drive, although I don't I'm not happy about it. But a few times we did have to drive under the influence. But we you know, we did it as safe as we could at the time because everybody be out one window looking, making sure that, you know, you'd know where all the traffic was. There's a guy up here turning left. There's a guy over here turning right. There's a guy 10 feet behind you. Right. So everybody'd keep an eye on uh, what was going on. But yeah, so definite uh, for them to assume at this point that they got this figured out, I think, is a little bit uh, premature. But I'd have to say we'll leave that one open for any updates, Pache, that might come through. And uh, there will be updates because this is going to be ongoing for many, many years. And it'll be interesting when somebody finally has to challenge it um, in a court of law. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else from you this week on this topic? Uh, I don't think so, my good uh, my good friend. I think we are good to go. I I, I don't really go off property anymore <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. All right. And I uh, can't wait to get a more in-depth update on uh, that uh, Diablo Push PGR that you're using, Pache. Absolutely. I can't wait until because, you know, I still have a lot of veg left. I have a number of... Um, at least a month of veg left. Uh, but I can't wait to taste it, taste test the difference and, um, and get it tested. Oh, I'm going to be real, real excited. Awesome. I can't wait. So until we meet again next week, Pache, you have a great week and you as well, sir. And I will get that, uh, that bong sound over to you. That sounds good. All right. <laughs> okay, buddy. Take everybody, you have a great week too, to our cannabis harmony or harmony. <laughs> <laughs> To our Try cannabis again. army <laughs> listeners. Have a great week, folks. My name is Ray. And I am Pache. Head on over to Facebook and search Plant Therapy Live and go ahead and smash that like button. To all the beginner growers out there, be sure to go back and listen to season one because there's lots of good stuff there. Just go to planttherapy.live. Take care, everybody. Have a good week. This is Plant Therapy Live. Over and over. This is Plant Therapy Live. Anytime, 24-7, check it out. Turn your average grow into a savage grow. Of four plants. Close to 700 grams the first grow. 640 grams the second grow. 1,100 grams the third grow. Find out how he does it and more. Each week, we answer a question from a grower just like you. My name is Ray. And I'm Pache. So there is all fresh and it's all for you. Plant Therapy Live.